Warning, this show of ours, before I forget, may contain some themes and ideas and other crap that you may find offensive. We're sorry. Listener discretion is advised. Also, the opinions and ideas expressed in this show, this podcast, this thing of ours called Before I Forget, are our opinions alone. They do not represent the Army or any other organization. It's just us talking. Anyway, thank you for listening to Before I Forget and enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome to Before I Forget, Tyree and Kevin here. Say hi, Kevin. Howdy. Hey, hey. Howdy. And we have a special guest today, Mr. Joe Mata. Hey, Joe. What's going on, brothers? How's it going, How's it going, man? man? Another day in paradise. Another day, another dollar. <laughs> man, we've been trying to get you on for a while, huh? Talking about it pretty much all month and a little bit last month, I think. Yeah, brother, that's for sure. We just didn't get the right timing, and I had the death in the family, but uh, shit just yeah. happens in life, but here we are today, so everything happens for a reason. For sure, man, and I'm glad that uh, we were finally able to get you on, and uh, and in regards to that, that death in your family, it, uh, you said it was your grandma? Yeah, roger that, brother. Yeah, man, sorry to hear that, though. That's 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 always you know terrible news when it comes to that kind of stuff. I appreciate it, man. Okay, so... Let's not even waste any time. Let's get right into it. Not waste any of it. Not even one minute of it. So, Mr. Mata, um, we have uh, certain questions we always ask, and we're going to hit you with the first one. Tell us a little bit about yourself. It's not really a question. It's more of a statement. (laughs) Tell Uh, tell us about yourself. It's a demand. There you go. Demand. Shit, I don't know exactly why I know. Uh Born October 30th, 1982, small town from San Benito, Texas. And this in the Army right after I graduated back in 2001. Um, went to Cuba. Um, then I went straight to uh, Schweinfurt, Germany. And then got deployed with you fuckers. <laughs> uh, all right, all right. Wait, let's slow down a little bit. <laughs> okay. So um, you uh, joined the Army back in 2001. But what made you join? Uh, my oldest brother joined, to be honest. Um, he was my role model, my brother Bethel. Um, we didn't come from, uh, we weren't, we didn't grow up rich. We grew up poor, did some wrong stuff, you know, and he decided to change his life. So I decided to change my life. He joined the military and then that's when I knew I didn't join. Okay. Um, do you know what made him call, what made him join exactly? Uh, <laughs> yeah, man, he, uh. He got two girls pregnant in the same week, and he had no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, man. Two girls no, pregnant in the same week. Wow. Yeah. So one was born September 4th, and the other one was born September 9th, and he had no job, and he's like, "Fuck, I had to join the military." So, that's, yep, that's what made him join. So I took off myself. Okay, right on. Um, where were you uh, for 9/11? Shit, man. Uh, I just finished uh, basic training, actually. Um, well, my last week, whatever, they shut down there, Fort Benning. And then they're like, hey, basically, we're going to war. So I was in Fort Hood with 122, 4th ID, and then uh, went to uh, Cuba with them. And then after that, 
um, straight to Schweinfurt, Germany. Got PCS out there, and then where? Uh, where? Hey, man, when you went to basic, man, what uh, what battalion were you? Uh, what was it? Charlie two five eight. And you graduated like right after nine eleven. Yeah, basically. Yeah, me too. I was Alpha Alpha two five four, and I graduated the the fourteenth. Two five four. That's right down the street. Yeah. Wow. Small yeah, world. Yeah, I was I at the Delta two nineteen. So there yeah, you go. Wasn't all, that all of us in the same place, same time? Roughly, yeah, basically. Which is uh, kind of funny. Like uh, the more that we do these interviews and we talk to folks that are, are were around, you know, the same time that we were in. <clears throat> You never know. They were probably just right across the bay. For, not really across the bay, but, you know, one building over. So we can you imagine being at the shop at or like on one of the ruck marches and you see one of the other companies from the other battalions like doing their thing. You're like, man, like those dudes look like they're having fun or they're sucking or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you never know who in that formation you're going to end up uh, in a formation with later on. Exactly. Uh, which I think is the case here, because I think it's highly likely because uh, it looks like our, our, our two cycles probably ran right next to each other, um, you know, like leapfrogging lanes and, you know, doing all of our ruck marches and FTX and all that stuff around the same time. Mm-hmm. You, kind of, yeah. you guys um, could have totally shared, a, a, you know, traded MRE uh, peanut butter for <laughs> jalapeno cheese and not even know yeah, it. Man. Not hey, even how did 9-11 uh, affect you? Uh, I'm assuming you went in before. I mean, you, you say you... Uh, graduated after so um you didn't know 9-11 was going to happen clearly so you joined uh, in a peacetime army um yeah that's correct how did all that change uh when uh, those towers went down for you uh to be honest man i was in shock man um i was in shock for a while it seemed like unbelievable like this shit ain't happening you know um and then it just like fuck i guess it took a while for it to kick in i guess you can say because in in the state of shock for a while. Mm-hmm. And then just, and then I was just like, man, I guess I'm about to go to war. I mean, I knew we we're going to go to war just a matter of time. And I mean, it changed my whole life to, you know, cause if that would have never happened, I won't say would have never gone to war. Cause you don't, you don't know exactly what would have happened in the future after that. But mm-hmm. I mean, it did change my life forever. You know, I suffer from PTSD now. That's for sure. Um, I lost my brothers in front of me in the war. And I mean, all that just to this day, you know, um, it, it sort of affects me now. So I, I take it back. Like if nine eleven never happened, would I would I be facing the, the, these demons or not? But uh, I had listened to Kevin's uh, podcast. I think it was yesterday about his opinions of the uh, all these little all these little fruitcakes talking about they're tough and they're ready for war and on on whatnot, which is bullshit, right? Um, I, right? We both know. We all three know they're not ready for it. But um, yeah, but if it was never for, for that man, I don't know if I'd be here. Um, suffering with, with what I suffer with, you know, then again, we don't know what the future holds of so 9-11 never would have happened. Would we have ever gone to war? Would there have been another conflict to make us go somewhere? So, I, I mean, 9-11 personally did, did change my whole life around. That's, that's for sure, especially because of the war. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I think we can definitely all, all relate to that. That's kind of one, some, one thing that when uh, we had that last recording with Walker and his wife, this one thing that we kind of talked about is, you know, the you know war is going to happen right it's it's always going to happen in someone's lifetime and you know like <clears throat> who would you rather go 
be involved in those things, you or the people you care about, you know, like in, in that we say this like retrospectively, right? Like we know what goes on in war. We, we know what happens. We, we see the bad things. Mm-hmm. And so what we know and what we have seen, um, I think at least for me anyway, there's, there's, there's definitely that aspect of like, I would rather it be me dealing with the aftermath um, rather than the people that I care about. Yeah, but at the same time, people are going to get balls and they're going to want to go raise their hand and go for it. I mean, absolutely. in Joe's particular case, his brother went. What was your uh, brother's MOS, by the way? He was, what was it, a 63 Bravo or Whiskey? He was a mechanic. That's all I know. Okay. So so there you go. That's even more different. That's uh, your brother's going in and, you know, he has these kids on the way or the kids are there now. And, uh this war kicks off basically. And, and now it's uh, me and my brother in this and we're not next to each other, but my literal brother is also going to be deployed at some point. Right. Did he ever go? Yeah, he, he got deployed. We did we weren't in, in Iraq at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think if I'm not mistaken, I went before him, but he was like in Jordan and other places when I was out there. But I, when I came back, that's when he went. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, but we didn't get to do it at the same time. Hmm. So, um, when did you make your way, um, wh- what happened uh, after basic? Where'd you go from there? You say you went to Cuba? Yeah, I went to uh, Fort Hood mm-hmm. um, with Fort ID. And then, uh, um, it was, when did I take off out there? Uh, I didn't get to Germany till June of 2003. I went June of 2002 to Cuba. Um we had to do that tower guard or camp extra, whatever it's called out there. And then they bring the, the these detainees, whatever, the insurgents from Iraq or Afghanistan, and they would fly them in and then they'd put them in the camp and we had to do the tower guard. And then we also do the QRF stuff in case shit happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, went and came back to Fort Hood, did my PODC. And then they Hey, you're going to shrine for Germany. So yeah, and then the rest was history from there. Right, red the, one. the big red one, one two six, one two six, correct? Yeah, goddamn right. So, go ahead. What made you go eleven Bravo? Your brother went mechanic. Yeah, well, like I said earlier, um, we didn't come up from the best background, man. We were mm-hmm. doing stupid gang banging shit. We we were just in the project, so all you had to do was just fight or be picked on. So all we do was just fight and. Uh, he, I thought my brother was a badass, to be honest. Um, and when he picked a mechanic in my eyes, and I, I, I make fun of him today, like, oh, you're a fucking pussy, bro. You're going to be like a gangbanger. You're going to be this tough motherfucker. Then you're going to go become a mechanic, bro. So I just I just wanted to outdo him, man, be better than him. So I went infantry, <laughs> you know. And he respected that. He's like, man, you're crazy, bro. He's like, I give you props. So I earned his respect, man, and I was proud of that. That's cool, huh? That's right on, funny. man. Yeah. Sometimes you got to rub their nose in it. Show off those blue discs and that blue cord, right? So, what was it like? Uh, getting, uh, so you already had a little bit of time uh, in active duty. You went to Cuba. You actually did. You ever see any uh, detainees or anything like that? Anybody? Uh, you you actually yeah. got to see these people, the, the uh, actual terrorists, or you know, uh, yeah. assumed terrorists at the time. Yeah, um, we got trained by some MPs, man, out there. We had to learn like. To do like the non-lethal training and whatnot, and uh, we had a you know when they brought them in it was a, with a C-17, C-130, mm-hmm. they would drop the ramp and they would have all these detainees come out and they would go into like a, into the buses and these buses would be stripped out, 
all the seats would be out. And they're like these stripper poles from the bottom to the top and <laughs> these, these circles on top. And they would chain them there. But when they would come off, they had the, the bags over their head at that time. So I didn't get to see their faces when they'd come off the plane. But when we'd have the tower guard around the camp, um, when they would give them their little one hour, 30 minutes of rec kind of time, they would come out, do their little whatever train or PT outside in the little cages. And that's when we would see them. And, you know, these, they're, <laughs> they would just talk shit to us the whole time, basically, but mm-hmm. we didn't do much, just, you know, whatever, but yeah, fuck those guys. <laughs> so you, uh, you make your way over to Schweinfurt. Uh, what was it like leaving, uh, and, and going to Germany? It was cool, man. Cause my brother got stationed in Germany. That was his first CD station. Oh, cool. <laughs> And, and uh, on some real shit, like I'm sure you guys fucking know, he always talked about the red light district. So I was always just, I was excited about the red light district, man. <laughs> so I was like, fuck yeah, Germany, here we go, man. You know, fucking. But it was cool. I always wanted to go to Germany, and I met some pretty good brothers out there, that's for sure. So, oh it was, yeah, it was fun experience. Give your boys a shout out. Who are you? Uh, who are you um, in there with? Well, I started off in Alpha Company. Um, they're in one, two, six. And then right before, I think it was like in September, October, they had the tryouts for their selection for the, the sniper section. And, uh, I went to try out with that and then got into the sniper section. But when I was in alpha company, well, I was with Corporal Rigby, Sergeant Maciag, um, hey, Rigby. which ended up, you remember, you remember him? Yeah. I remember Rigby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, was, I hung out with them a little bit and then, uh, you other people there, not to I mean, not that I'm proud of those guys, you know, we just, I don't think they ever liked me tell the cocky son of a bitch when I got there, to be honest. <laughs> um, but in the wrong with that. section, no, nah, I was just confidence. They, they took his cockiness. I took his confidence, but in the cyber section, I, I mean, Sergeant Madonna, you know, he was a section sergeant, oh, yeah. you know, he, mm-hmm. he taught, he taught me everything. I fucking, you had the sniper. So, um, but Claywell, Heffinger, Leva, Maysag, yeah. Ruby. Man, these names, Heffinger? I haven't heard those names in a minute, man. Yeah, Heff. Effinger. Uh, so, what what, what made you want to go um, sniper? Um, to be honest, man, I was uh, training to go SF for selection, um, and somehow, same way, whatever they told me that my paperwork got lost. But I think it was a bunch of BS because we needed. A, I forgot the percentage we needed for the percentage, so our, our unit could be deployable, whatever. So. Mm-hmm. I got I got screwed on selection, um, and then my squad leader, um, Staff Sergeant Gonzalez in Alpha Company, he had already, he already made selection. He already had orders for the Q course, and he's the one that told me like because he was upset I didn't get to go to selection, and he's the one that's like, hey man, there's sniper tryouts going on. Um, would you be interested in that? So I was like, you know, well, fuck, I'm already trained up for it, you know. So, and then the rest was history after that. It was just a blessing from from the skies, to be honest. <laughs> what was that? Uh, what was the trial like? That was my next uh, question. I, know, like, and I want to know. Kids, like, yeah, I know like, some of the guys that did like the pre-ranger course and all that stuff. I mean, we hear about some of the things that they did, but uh, like, what was the sniper trial like yeah. for, for our unit? I heard um, sniper shit was like hard as hell too. It's, it's not, it's one of the tougher schools. So I'm really interested to learn how, uh, how that whole thing worked out. It wasn't too bad. It was just a few days. Um, like I always tell everybody, it's, it's more mental than physical. I mean, yeah, you gotta be somewhat in physical shape. I mean, if you're not in shape, you're going to, you're going to suffer a little bit. It's going to suck for you. Um, but if you're physically fit, it's, it's more easy. It's just more mental, but, uh, of course you got to shoot, you got to land nav, you got to do a lot of rucking and then you got to 
do stalking. So with stalking, you just do your you're your um on your ghillie suit and you go from point A to point B and then you gotta shoot like a blank round and then whatever you're shooting at, there's basically some Madonna up there with a letter or a number and you go pick it up and you have to go through your scope and you know, identify the number mm-hmm. or the letter, and then you'll have another sniper, I think it was Claywell, like with a stick. So he'll wherever I'm laying at, he'd be right next to me and then he'll tell Sergeant Madonna, like, hey, all right, there's a sniper within, you know, six, twelve inches with me and then Sergeant Madonna would tell Claywell, like, all right, take a half step this way, take a half step that way, sniper your feet. And they would, if they would catch you, then you'd, you'd feel the, you'd feel the thing, but they couldn't catch you, then you would pass. But it was, uh, it wasn't too bad in my eyes, to be honest. School was way tougher, you know. Mm-hmm. That was five, that was five weeks, you know, selection over there with uh, Germany, just like what, three, four days, something like that. It was, it was all compact together, though, it was real quick. So you went to the actual sniper's course down at uh, Fort Benning? Yeah, I graduated. Well, they sent eight of us. Eight, they picked eight of us in Germany. They sent eight, eight of us to go, and seven out of the eight, we graduated. Oh, um, man, that's a good numbers. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't expected, you know, because a 15% graduation rate and 85 failure rate. So when they – seven out of eight from Schweinfurt, Germany, graduates, man, it was a – it was a, it was a special thing. Yeah, that's a <laughs> yeah. testament to the big red one, one two six. <clears throat> yeah, and 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 in, and in case you guys didn't know know this, which I didn't know until um, several years later, um, our sniper section that I was in, we are actually the first sniper section in big red one. Well, for one two six history ever. Really? So that's pretty. Yeah, it's it's an honor to be part of that for sure. You got to awesome. put that yeah, on the no plaque or something. Hell yeah, it's fucking awesome. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, so what was the, the uh, oh, go ahead, section over there? I was gonna say, I wonder if the current sniper section over at uh, Fort Campbell or one two six is now if if they know that stuff. They're over there like studying about like Joe Mata. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Probably not, man. Cause I, I didn't I didn't know that shit till maybe about two years ago. I guess uh, I don't remember. You guys not remember um, Sergeant Beller? Um, he he ended up retiring as a sergeant major, but he's a historian guy for one two six. And he reached out to uh, Sergeant Madonna. He wanted the pictures and all this stuff from the the unit from out there when we were there, the, the original sniper section. So Sergeant Madonna's the one that actually told me like two years ago, like holy shit. And then I ran into uh, when I was at the Key West like two months ago, I ran into Sergeant Major Better. And we were talking about that. He's like, yeah, man, Sergeant Madonna, like y'all the first sniper section, man. It's a lot. Of, it's an honor for that. So you know, it's, I take pride in that, man. Hell yeah, hell yeah, man. That's a pretty cool thing. So, <clears throat> what was the train up uh, for Iraq for you guys after sniper school? How did that go? I think uh, uh, a big chunk of that for uh, what was the fifty-two day problem, or wait, was that no? That was in two thousand. Uh, that was before Kosovo. Yeah, that was before Kosovo. We had uh, a bunch of train ups before, uh, you know, leading up to our deployment. What was the? Uh, what was your job during all that? Uh, before Iraq, you said yes, sir. Uh, we trained a lot. We had our own training, um, but it, it was difficult because when um, when you shoot as a sniper, there's something called DOPE, which stands for Data on Previous Engagements. So every shot you fucking take, you have to write it down on a little notepad, like temperature, humidity, windage, the lot number on the case of ammo you have, the grain. Um, I mean, it comes down to science to the smallest part. And in Germany during that time, it was fucking cold. Mm-hmm. So 
we couldn't get the temperatures that we wanted knowing we're going to go downrange where the temperature is going to be like 100 plus. So our math was kind of off in the beginning because we're recording our shots like at 60 degrees, 40 degrees, 30 degrees. And then you get to Iraq, you know, even in Kuwait, we, we couldn't really shoot that much. Um, but in Iraq, when we had the little train that we did, you're going from shooting from 40 degree weather, 30 degree weather to 100, 120 degree weather. So your, your math is totally different. So it was hard to adjust and prepare for it the right way. Um, Cause then it's also what we're doing is all in the snow too, whether it be in Graff or Holmesfields, it was snowing all the time. So mm-hmm. it was two different, totally different scenarios, snow and then the desert. So, but they trained us up. We did a lot of running, a lot of road marching, um, try to shoot as much as we could. But like I said, it, it was difficult to get that dope down correctly. So we had to work with what we had and adjust when we got over there. What, uh, what, what platform did you shoot off of? What was your favorite? What was your go-to in your primary? Uh, we had the modified M14s, um, which is basically the old school M14 from the composite, non-composite stocks. But these were some modified ones. Those were fucking pretty cool. I like the M24, which is basically our civilian models, the Remington 700. And then um, the 50 cal, the Barrett, the M107. Um, but it just depends on the mission we're doing, to be honest. Um, mm. But me, I like the bolt action, the M24. Um, some prefer the M14, but if I could do it, I'd, I'd stick with the M24. That's just me. I used to have a Remington 700, and uh, I bought it from a guy in California. And I take it to the range, man. And I tried to do a similar thing where you, with, with the, the dope or whatever, and I have no idea what I'm doing, right? Like, I read <laughs> some things, you know what I'm saying? I, I looked at some videos online, I'm out at the range, and I'm taking shots, and I have no clue what I'm doing, man. Like, I, just, I, I that gun was definitely in the wrong hands, you know what I mean? The better off just throwing <laughs> bullets down there. Pretty much, man. Like I can get them in. I can get them in to go the direction I want them to go. But hitting anything, <laughs> no, not, not even with a good scope. And actually, the scope that I had, what was it like a uh, like a Nikon Buckmaster, Bushmaster, something like that? It was just it wasn't good. It wasn't. Uh, I don't know. I feel like it was a cheap scope on a, on a on a really good gun. I ended up uh, selling it to somebody who actually was going to be able to use it. But I recently though this this year I bought a Bergara. Um, and tried to go hunting with it. I've taken it to the range a few times and have, I've had a lot better luck with it, but still like all the things that you're talking about, like, you know, tracking all your shots and, you know, like the, the other calculations that go into it. Not a clue. Absolutely not. Like I'm definitely more of a red dot iron sight kind of guy. Same. Or machine gun. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. I, I hear you. And the, the people who don't know about, you know, sniping or shooting on the sniper, they just think you just put the crosshairs, on a target mm-hmm. you shoot and that's not that's not how it works you know so there's more to it man it's an art there's a lot of math and science behind it but the average person they go oh just how can you shoot how can you miss if you're a sniper like dude like you gotta pay attention to humidity because the change in like humidity and temperature in 20 degrees would affect your shot every 100 meters and stuff and then um if you're facing up down on like the angle i mean all that plays factors on it you know crosswinds full value winds half value winds i mean it's it's just, it's crazy what you got to read, man. It's just not you don't just put crosshairs and shoot and think you can hit it. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, that's yeah. that Hollywood bullshit. People think that shit and it's how it goes. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is, man. Dude, I went to um when I mobilized to Fort Sill as a drill sergeant in two thousand nine, and before we were on the trail, we had to go through a, a small course that was instructed by three former uh, Delta guys, one of which was a Delta sniper, and you know like the course was uh, it was a shooting course. 
And, um, and, uh, one of, you know, when this guy spoke about shooting and you know, he broke it down, like talking about trajectory and, and just all the, like, pretty much all the, everything that you're saying. And it's just like, we're sitting there like, I'm just a sponge, right? Like I'm trying to soak in everything he's saying. I have no, no idea what any of it means, but I'm writing it down, you know, and I feel, I, I feel like I'm, you know, like one, I'm one of the dudes in the unit or something, you know what I'm saying? I'm being instructed by this Delta dude, Hell but, yeah. uh, I mean, he, he did give us some pretty good techniques as far as like, uh, you know, creating a more stable, uh, uh, platform whenever you're shooting like from standing or from kneeling or whatever um that have been beneficial and and, and good things to teach the soldiers whenever I, I have them but uh definitely could never be a sniper man um not i am i am i don't know if i'm too caffeinated too jittery or just i don't have, I don't have the patience for because i feel like that's a big thing too i feel like you have to have like pretty solid patience to be able to pull something like that off mm-hmm. i think i'm an all right shot i can shoot pretty far out but once you get too far out i can't hit water if i jump off a boat so <laughs> i feel like that's true with anybody anybody i mean i mean but even with with good training i mean like i said uh, that sniper school shit is like some top level stuff and you also getting some instruction from people who are professionals at it uh you know past the school um more trigger time more time practicing that's all good but it's not not everyone's gonna be uh an ace shot so it takes a lot of work so hats off for that man um no yeah it's 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 uh you definitely gotta put some work man and it's just like i'm sure like you guys or anybody else we all think we know what we're doing and it's our way or you know like oh i know how to do this and so even though sarma donna's toswell i still got to fucking port Bennington. and uh I, i'm like they're not gonna teach me anything i already know this shit you know but no, they teach you how to position your body behind the weapon, fuck, and then you can't, when you zero your weapon, you don't use your, you don't, you don't have a fucking, you know, uh, Kevlar on, fucking helmet, vest, nothing. Mm-hmm. So when you zero your shit, when you zero your fucking weapon, that's how, technically speaking, on, even on the FM 23-10, which is our sniper Bible, it says you don't shoot that way. The way you zero your weapon is the way you shoot, and in combat, which was fucking kind of scary, bro, I don't know if you guys ever fucking knew this, but most of the times we did some of our missions, we didn't have no fucking full battle rattle, bro. We just, and it's just, and I'm not gonna lie, I would shit myself sometimes. Not literally, but like we, we would literally leave the fob and it's, it's me and Claywell right there or me and Sergeant Maciak, whatever. And it's just fucking sniper rifle, fucking your little backpack or whatever for your water and shit. Then your, your bean hat and that's it, man. No fucking helmet, no vest. And you're just like, you know, fucking war zone. You're like, what the fuck? But, it's because when you shoot, you don't got time to take your gear off and do all that. Because if you have your, if you zeroed your weapon without your gear, you can't shoot with your gear on because it affects your whole zero and you're not going to shoot the way you're supposed to shoot. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was it was kind of it was different for us sometimes out there. Kind of scary to be honest. Oh yeah, yeah you I guys are um, straight up, uh, you know, first line. Not well, first line defense in some points. Uh, it's just you and and would you say a couple guys out there? No body armor, just out there hunting hunting people down, man. That's wild. Yeah, most <clears throat> most of our most of our missions was two man teams. Every once in a while, we had a three man team. Third man guy would be our security guy. Basically, he watch our six. But uh, but yeah, most of the time, it was just, that's just the way it was, man. It was kind of it was kind of scary to be honest. I I think I remember hearing about and correct me if i'm wrong but like and i feel like you would know but i feel like i feel like i i remember hearing somebody with some rank getting on to the sniper guys for being out in sector without their gear on does that uh, we, that, that happened that happened a few times <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah there's a there's a uh, the company commander from bravo company i can't remember his fucking name um 
Captain Rock, probably. Yeah, that's the one. Yep. Yeah. We're trying to yeah. think about him. Yeah. He, he, got, he, he got on he, us. He was ours. Yeah, that's yeah, ours. Yeah, he got on us a few times. First Sergeant Venicolin got on me. Colonel Dragon got on me. <laughs> um, but, I mean, and you just, but I can understand they're coming, where they're coming from, you know, mm-hmm. but, you know, yeah, there's a job or, you know, whatever, but they just didn't really know how to employ snipers or how the actual sniper works. So it was, it was a learning process, not only for us, but for them as well. But for everybody. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. But you're right. We, we got our ass shoot sometimes. Like put your fucking shit on it. And we're just like, well, we can't shoot this way. Get your fucking shit on. And like, all right, well, whatever. <laughs> right. But when, but once they left, we'd fucking take our shit back off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I remember a time and we were at the, that ODA house in a small thing. It was before the, uh, the little before they tried to push on us that one time in June, but uh, we were out there doing something. I don't remember what it was, but we were actively engaged and it may have been Colonel Dragon. I have no, no idea who it was, but he came walking by and, and I had my sleeves cuffed. You know what I mean? Cause it's you hot. son of a bitch. Exactly. <laughs> and he, man, he got on to me. I'm sitting there behind my gun and he's like, you need to uncuff your sleeves right now. What do you, where do you think you, do you think 670-1 doesn't apply anymore? I'm like, uh, Honestly, out here, I didn't think it was that big of a deal, <laughs> but okay, whatever. I'd be like, bro, it's 38 billion degrees out here. Motherfuckers are shooting at us. I don't think these fucking sleeves are going to help me out. Like, I can rip these motherfuckers <laughs> off and go straight Rambo, and I don't think it would change any of the outcome of this fucking fight. Absolutely not. Speaking of uh, fucking fights and all this kind of shit, what is your typical day uh, out on patrol? What what uh, What is your wake-up time, you know? Walk us through your normal day of uh, patrolling Samara. Shit, man. To be honest, brother, I don't even think we had a a set schedule, man. Um, everybody had different shifts, rotations, but um, just depending on our mission, to be honest, man, um, when we actually had to do, I actually did patrol with some of the infantry guys. We would blend in. That's when we'd have our full battle rattle, and we would actually – be disguised as infantrymen, fucking with M4s, no snow sniper rifles, no nothing. Mm-hmm. And we'd be in the Bradleys, they drop the fucking ramp, and then we fucking, you know, we'd go in the houses, you know, like we're raiding the houses. But when we would do that, we'd go into with the infantry. We're what we're doing is doing recon and gain intel so we could take it back and we'll do our 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 briefing and stuff. So we'd go in, say there's like eight infantry guys, fucking one or two snipers would go in, you know, in the house. We'll fucking go to the roof or the second floor, take pictures, look at the windows, and get all the intel we can get. Then we come back out and just hit all the houses, you know, in order, bam, bam, bam. And that'd be our our recon or our, our, our type of patrol. But so when we'd do it again a few days later, we'd go in with the same amount of people, the infantry guys, whatever. But when we would come out, only half the infantry guys would come out. So I would stay there with another sniper partner and a few guys, like the alpha team or bravo team of the infantry guys from the squad. And they'd be our, they would be our security guys. So they would detain, detain or, you know, make sure that the, the family wouldn't do shit to us. So then you'd have the snipers on top. And when the infantry guy would come out the house, they hit the next house. And it just looked like, oh, it's just doing it again. But we would actually be staged at that one house. But so when we would do our patrols in the city, that's the way we did. We would do it with the infantry guys. We'd blend in with them, do missions with them, walk around. But we're just basically getting our intel, taking pictures and whatnot for our future missions there. So, hey, um, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come right back because we're using Zoom and uh, the time. Oh, it's like a 
40 minute window or something like that. Yeah. So we're going to take it just a quick break and we're going to be right back on before I forget. All right, everybody, welcome back to Before I Forget. Kevin and Tyree here with Joe Mata. And we're going to finish there, not finish, but continue um, with the typical day out on patrol. Uh, so, Mata, you're on the roof. You have uh, the infantry guys watching the family at the bottom, making sure nothing weird goes down. And you're engaging or looking for target, looking for work. So tell us a little bit about the, your first actual engagement in sector. Oh shit, man! Mm, I know, man. The first the real, the real, the real shit. <clears throat> no, yeah. The first engagement was uh, with the ODA team, um, right? By um, you know, we're on the roof with the SF guys, and and we just got in some indirect fire, some small arms, and and you know, we just got the fifty cal, the Barrett, and M twenty four, and you know, had some fun with the SF guys. Um, that was, like the first encounter, but. I mean, we we had contact a lot. One of the big, big, big ones. Um, sure, you guys remember July eighth of '04. Um, that was the big one where we got uh, hit by the Tigers River by the suicide bomber, and that was like a six, eight-hour fucking firefight. Um, that was like the longest engagement I was in physically. You know, nonstop, just action. You know, back and forth, back and forth with the enemy. Um, but I mean, there's a shitload of uh, shitload of uh, contact I mean just like you guys but just small ones here and there nothing crazy but the major big one was July 8th of 04 um, and in case you guys don't remember whatever Bob break it down for other people and this is like some my therapy though um, you know I've been holding it in for so long whatnot so it's good for me to get it off my chest you know um, it's a typical fucking mission the day before it was me, um, Heffinger and, um, Barkus. It was my first, it was my first actual mission as a team sergeant as in the sniper section. Um, I got my promotion and stuff. So like, hey, basically you're going to be the team sergeant, you know, this is the way it's going to go. So July 7th, we had a mission. Um, we got dropped off at some random house that we're going to do in, in Samara. But when they, they inserted us, all the fucking people in the, in the, in the neighborhood saw us. Um, you know, they have fucking four or five Bradleys dropping us off. So of course we made all the noise. They saw us. So <laughs> our, our, we got, we got compromised. Basically we had a call for, for X, um, X, uh, get extracted out. They came, picked us up, went back to, uh, what it, to razor, whatever it was there by the Tigers river with the ING motherfuckers. Um, and then in the morning on July 8th, we got hit with a suicide bomber. That's when the driver in the truck was disguised as a colonel or general with ING and it was like a setup. They let him in and he drove straight into the building where we're at. Um, we had the mortar guys there, a few guys from alpha company. Um, you know, fucking thing of like around 20 people got wounded. Um, five KIA, including my sniper partner, Barkus. And then the other four were from the, uh, mortar platoon. A lot of us were banged up and stuff, but just, uh, yeah, man. A lot of people were scared. A lot of people were wounded. And then you just have to make a, a critical decision. Like, do I help the wounded and we get overrun, we get attacked and we lose more people? Or do you not help the wounded 
and defend your fucking your your ground and that was like one of the toughest call to make to be honest you know do you help your brothers or basically let them bleed out or you know be in pain whatnot so you just do what you gotta do man and you know i was holding up on the roof you know for a while uh, alone and then had a few guys from the um the scouts up there with me heffinger was up there as well um can't remember the other people's name on top of my head that were there from the scouts and then it took a while for us to get reinforcements um I had my eye on the enemies. I was using my Viper. So I could hit one buddy and I could play distance. I hit the other buddy and get some direction. So I go downstairs. That's when we had a reinforcement show up. Went to, to one of the company commanders and be like, hey, sir, like, I need fucking support fire here, et cetera, et cetera. He basically told me to, he basically told me to go fuck myself. And because of casualties of war, innocent people dying, I'm like, motherfucker, basically like, hey, we just lost five guys, motherfucker, basically, you know, that's the way my intention was. So I took off, right. Cause he didn't want my information. So we're Garrett gaining small arms, indirect fire and all that shit. So I go back on the roof and do what I do. And then I don't remember, I don't know if you guys remember, uh, special Brooks. He was the Colonel Adams driver at that time. He shows up and I go straight to him. Like, Hey bro, I need fucking help. So I give him my, my info ahead. And he just basically j- jumped chain of command. And went went to the top, and he got me some fucking indirect fire. Um, had some hellfires. Had some. I mean, we did damage me and him. It wasn't for Brooks, to be honest, man. I don't know how that day would have turned out because, like I said, the company commander didn't want to take my info. We had a we had a specialist taking my info, and he jumped, he jumped chain of command as well. And you know, he basically saved the day. And then I don't know, like an hour later, or whatever, the company commander was like, "Hey, Mata, like, give me the info. Let me do it now." And I'm like, "Well, you didn't want it earlier, but." I guess he didn't, he wanted some of the the shine, whatever the fuck you want to call it, but right, um, yeah. some of the credit. Yeah, yeah, basically. But it was um, that was the one of the major big ones, you know, six eight hours just nonstop, just back and forth, back <clears> and forth. So I had to run from the roof, go down to the bottom, try to give some first aid and help my my brothers that were fucking wounded. Um, then go back up to the top, run back down, up and down. And I remember, I think it was Specialist Campbell. Um, one of the mortar guys and he came out you know with he, was, he kept on coming up and down with a lot of ammunition like hey model what else do you need and i mean that that guy helped us out as well and just you know everybody did their part i can't remember everybody off the top of my head and um whatnot but that's uh one of the big one of the biggest ones um i'm sure you guys remember that one um oh yeah oh yeah man we were um we were at brassfield I remember when that when that went down, like uh, we were just hanging out in the shoes, you know, not doing anything. And I remember like hearing a ton of like screaming and yelling over on the Alpha Company pad, and seeing like First Army V like directing everybody to like load up, mount up right now, like we're moving out. And we're like, what the fuck's going on, dude? And that's when we heard like that the that the that compound guy hit. And uh, I mean, I didn't, you know, initially we didn't get any reports as far as like KIs and all that stuff, but we did. We did know that that they got hit, and the Alpha Company was going out to to uh, I, I guess QRF or something. You know what I mean? To back up. Mm-hmm. You know what was crazy about that is I remember there was an argument between higher ranking people than me uh, about the security of that location, and they wanted to make it a lot more difficult for people to just drive in. And I remember being there once or twice and I was like, man, this is the security here. Yeah. We got all of our guns and we got everything to defend ourselves. But if we had something to 
to block something, drive it in, it'd be great. Um, yeah, something other than, um, what was it, the ICDC guys or the ING guys, you know what I mean? Yeah, I remember yeah, the day that shit happened, and I, I will never forget it. I remember there was somebody in charge arguing with the in Iraqi ICD dude, and then he just hauls off and slugs them in the middle of all this. Uh, and I'm like, holy shit, this shit's crazy. And then we, we uh, a little bit after, like, we're going over to uh, Razor to help out. And goddamn, man, the, the sight, seeing everything that happened, it looked like fucking hell. It looked like some shit that you couldn't really wrap your mind around. Half the building yeah. was blown away. I mean, I remember the one thing that stands out more than anything uh, in one of the rooms where we would typically gather and watch TV, there was a bloody handprint on the wall and it, it was smeared. And I'll never forget that. I remember, um, goddamn, uh, Webster out there, um, shooting like crazy, like just, just going through the motions of this crazy shit that he was a part of. And I couldn't really wrap my mind around everything that had happened, you know, this is one, one of the, those moments. It's, yeah, like it's surreal, for, right? Yeah. Like it's like like this isn't like you're not there. You're just you're just observing it happening, but you're there. Yeah, like we know that there's casualties. We know that there's people that are injured, and it was that was one of those days out of the whole deployment that changed everything for everybody. I think. Mm-hmm. I, uh, yeah, it was crazy, and, and I, I hats off to you guys uh, who were actually there on ground when that should actually happen because I I don't think. Uh, that's a tough pill to swallow. It's tough. That's a tough thing to deal with over the years. Yeah. Well, was, it, was it you? Um, okay. So when the V bed came in, uh, where were you? I was, I was, so this is the, this is the weird thing, man. And I'm going to, I'll get deep in it with you guys. Cause my, I, I've been, you know, um, what I'm going to share with you guys, I think a lot of people should know. Um, and like I said, it, it helps me out with my PTSD and I've, I've been holding in for fucking years. Well, since 04 and it took me two years to tell my grandma and three years after that, which was five years to tell my, my family. And then I never told anybody for like years. But, uh, so like I said, um, earlier, it was July 7th is my first mission as a team sergeant for the snipers. I have, I have, uh, Collier Barkus and then Brian Heffinger and we get compromised. Right. So we go back to, to Razor and since we have better optics, they put us on the roof and whatnot. And come fucking first thing in the morning, I'm like, I tell Bar- Barkers and Heffinger, like, hey, guys, you guys got to go downstairs, get some shut eye because we got to do a mission here in a few hours. And I need you guys fucking, you know, well rested. Um, so Barkers goes downstairs. I go downstairs and Heffinger's still up there with some of the guys up there. And I remember the. Oh man, it's tough. bear with me, guys. <laughs> um, you man, you're good. Take your time, fucking, man. We're not, no rush. So the building that got hit, well, the, the the portion of the building that got hit. Um, when you walk into that fucking door, you have cots on the right and then cots on the left, and then if you go straight forward, there's another wall there with a door, and there's like another back room there where other people are sleeping as well. Um, so as soon as you walk in that front door, Barkus is the first cot on the left. And I'm the one that's sleep on the second cot. So when I'm there laying down, bro, I'm, I'm there. I lay down. 
And um, like within 10 seconds, guys, like, and I'm tired as fuck. Mind you, we've been up for like 24 hours and whatnot and trying to get some sleep. So as I lay down, I'm trying to shut my eyes and this fucking voice. And I, I don't believe I can, I wasn't so much like a religious person, believe in ghosts or any of that shit, but this is what changed my life here. As soon as I lay down, I heard a fucking female um, whisper in my fucking ear. And uh, she says, go upstairs. But like in a whisper, like, go upstairs. And that shit fucking makes my heart beat, bro. So I sit up. I I, I got chills listening to this right now. I fucking, and I fucking sit up, right? And I look at Barkas and he's peacefully, peacefully asleep. And I'm looking around and I hear people like, I mean, I don't hear, I see them moving around. You know, everybody has a different shift changes, but I can't hear shit. It's fucking completely silent. And I'm like, what the fuck's going on? I know I'm awake. I know it's not a dream. So I lay back down, right? And again, not even five, 10 seconds, the same fucking female says the same shit in my ear. Go upstairs. But in the whisper, like, go upstairs. So I'm like, what the fuck's going on? Sit back up. I'm thinking, man, maybe I'm just fucking tired. I'm hearing shit. But then again, when I'm sitting up, I see people moving around, but I can't hear shit. It's complete silence. I'm like, all right, whatever. I'm going to just get some shut eye. But as soon as I lay down the third time, not even two, three seconds, it was the same voice. But this time she said, go upstairs now. But like in the whisper, like with, with urgency, like go upstairs now. And I swear, man, I fucking, I won't say like I literally pissed myself, but I fucking shit myself. And I was like, what the fuck? And just got my boots on, got my weapon. I looked at Barkus. And I'm like, fuck, I need to get his ass upstairs. But I'm like, I don't know. He's like, I, I got to let him sleep, right? So this is why I had survivor's guilt for a fucking long time. So when I walk out that front door, there's Sergeant Shepard brushing his fucking teeth and shaving, doing his shit. He's like, hey, what's up, Sergeant Mata? And I just walk around the building. As soon as I get upstairs, I remember just hearing Heffinger say, um, suicide bomber. Um, and then, boom, the explosion just fucking happened. And it was complete chaos, bro. And fucking... The, the building collapsed, fucking people got hurt. You hear everybody screaming. There's fucking like the, the ringing in the ears, fucking. And then, you know, after that, just fucking, you know, we did what we fucking had to do. And it just, everything, everything just seemed so slow fucking motion. Like, it just like, like unreal. Like, what the fuck's going on? But at that time when all that shit was happening, it, it, it was so slow motion but when Heffinger said I think Heff's the one that saw the, the the truck coming in and Heffinger was like get down like suicide bomber and I just remember just falling falling down the roof going to the fetal position and then next thing you know just boom and the whole thing was smoky couldn't hear shit my ears were fucking blown out fucking when the smoke cleared out I looked down the fucking thing and just you just see everybody like everybody is there fucked up man and like I said went downstairs and whew <laughs> but yeah, man, that's, uh, that's where I was at. That's what happened. Um, but yeah, it was Heffinger's the one that first saw it, called it out. And then the rest was history, man. Just did what we did and everybody worked together. And I mean, I'm just glad. I mean, it is what it is. I don't know, man. I don't know what to say. I'm still, I'm shaking up on it right now. <laughs> man, like, like we're, I'm, I'm, I'm sure Tyree's in the same spot. Like we're just listening to this. Like, we're like, fuck man. Like, like, fuck dude like that's a lot yeah, you know what I mean yeah. like <clears throat> holy shit and, and like and like I said earlier I, I it I held that shit in for years it took me two years to tell the first person 
And the first person was my grandma, the biggest religious person I know. And I don't believe in ghosts, religion. I didn't believe in at that time, at least. And I, I just contemplate, like, what the fuck was this fucking voice? Why did it talk to me? And then I think, like, what if I would have just laid down that last time and not got up or said, fuck that voice? I would have I been uh, right with Marcus. I would have died with him or been severely fucked up. And then, then like, you know, VA gets me all this mess in. Try to commit suicide three times before because that survivor's guilt with Barkus, you know, like, and it's my first mission, my, my first mission as a team sergeant, and I fucking failed as a leader, and it, that's just been haunting me since that man. And I'm, I'm I'm in a way better position, but at that time, I've been I've been fucked, man. So I don't know what that voice was, who she was, or where it came from, or why I heard it, but you know. Um, yeah, so that's my story to you guys, guys. <laughs> but it, it, that's I'm fucking incredible, pacing, man. I'm, I'm pacing around my room, fucking in tears, shaking like a motherfucker. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, man, I, the but way yeah. you explained everything, man. I, I really, uh, we didn't really get the full story. I mean, I, I did not want to ask the people who were there helping because I know that they just been through a lot of shit. I don't think I even asked anyone specifically about the specifics of anything that happened that day because I know it was raw and it was heavy duty. Uh, I didn't learn exactly about what happened until I read it in Army Times. Um, and they explained it in a, in a different way. Uh, well, really more or less the exact same way that, that you explained it. But to hear you basically go step by step and hearing those voices and actually following through with what they're saying because I know a lot of us would have been like, man, I'm too tired for this. Let me just go ahead and lay on down and get these, these uh, there's a little bit of sleep, but goddamn, man, that's incredible. The fact that you got up and uh, were able to work after. That's the key. No, it's, 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 I mean, if I hit my toe on this bed, eh, I'm going to be all fucked up for the week. But for you to survive that and then do your job at a high level is is incredible, man. Amade, man, like, and I, I'm sure I'm not the first person to say this, right? Um, after all this time, but you've got to you've got to believe that like you survived that for a reason. Do you know what I mean? Like, you are here today for a reason. Like that voice told you to get up for a reason. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, it, it took me a long time to realize that and to the, even to this day i don't know their reason you know everybody say this it's just like anybody you say something like that's what you're supposed to tell them you know all oh, this everything having freedom you're still fucking your purpose ain't done in life like that's what the average person is supposed to tell you that's what you know i expect people to tell me but at the end of the day no one really knows like why i heard it. And, I, and like i said and i think about too if we would have never got compromised the, the, the day before on july 7th we were supposed to go once we were able to finish our mission we're going to go back to Brasfield Mora, bro, and just, you know, continue Mike. But we got compromised, and I said, shit, well, just go fucking to Razor, help them out there. So we stayed there. But we were not never have supposed to have been there at all, at all. The only reason that we were there is because we got compromised mm. um, and, and on the, the day before. And then we get there, we stay there, and, you know, fucking shit happens. But, I mean, I, I am a firm believer everything happens for a reason. Yeah, same here. Um, and, but whatever that reason is, I don't fucking know. Because just like you guys said earlier, um, like you know, I'd rather it be me than the people I love. And I always wish that 
I wish I would have died in that bar because you know my he, he's he's the only sniper that we lost in, in in that deployment, and it's it's a tough one. And what's crazy is um, Barkas, we had kicked Barkas out of the sniper section, you know, for personal issues that I won't get into. But he went with the scouts, and he proved himself with the scouts, and that was his first mission back with us as a sniper, bro. Like, you know, so his first shit with us. He's my security guy, and it's my first team star, uh, mission of the team sergeant. So I was like, what the fuck? And Claywell was going to go on R and R, so that's the reason Barkas was there. Because not Barkas would have been there; it would have been me, Claywell, and Heffinger. But since Claywell was going on R and R, he stayed back, and they're like, all right, we'll give this mission to Mata, fucking let him do his shit, and then boom. So Claywell had it. Claywell got fucked mentally too, because he's like, man, that should have been me out there. That's my fucking mission. And then, you know, if Clay was there, what would have happened? Would I have been the one sleeping? Clay would have been on the roof? I mean, a lot of our minds is, you know, just the way everything just worked out, man. You know, it just, it's all fucked up. That's the thing, though, man. Like, you can sit there and think about, like, all these, like, what ifs. And, like, you know, if that mission had gone right the day before, would you have still been there? Um, you know, like, if he wasn't going on leave, then would Barks have been? You know what I mean? Like, all those questions. Like, you can sit there and ask those all day long. But, like, at the end of the day, man, like, it, it played out how it did. Mm-hmm. It sucks. Um, but that's also, like, the life that we were living over there. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's, it's not to say that, like... I don't know, man. It's, 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 it's wild when you get into those thoughts, right? Like you get into like combat scenarios and you're like, man, if that, if, if, uh, like when, when Dave got shot, for example, like we were coming out of a courtyard and I was in between Dave and where the shooter was. And had I not ducked when I ducked or, you know, had I, you know, not stood up when I stood up or something, you know what I mean? Like maybe that round would have impacted me because I was in between him and the shooter. Um, so it's just one of those things where you, you kind of ask those questions, but at the, at the end of the day, man, like he, you know, like that stuff will just eat you up. But I think when it, you know, it is a generic response, right? Like you're here for a reason, right? Like you survived that for a reason. It is a very generic kind of BS response. I mean, it kind of seems so, but I mean, nobody ever really, I guess, truly knows like why we're here, what our purpose is in life. Um, Until we like, obviously until we find it and we're like, Oh man, like this is what my calling is. This is what I've, I'm drawn to or whatever. Um, but it's just, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, like, like you said, like, you know, continue a mission and, and, until we get there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know yeah, how many yeah, times yeah. I've thought about that. Like, and we talk about it all the time. Like, why was I at that specific point when that happened? Um, what in life am I doing now after that? Uh, I think life is for the living. Uh, you, mm-hmm. you gotta experience these fucking tragic, tragic fucking events so you can hopefully, um, I guess appreciate life on the outside after, which is fucking nuts because who wants to fucking deal with the, that in your head, you know, that's for years and, and yeah. you're trying to figure out life after that. It's fucking hard. But Mata, you're working on something about that right now, right? Yeah. Yeah, you talking about my traveling? The what is it? You talking about my, my travels? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so to, to cope with my PTSD, like I said, like the VA used to give me shitload of fucking pills, and you know, I just had some bad experiences, which I won't get into depth with that. But I refuse to take any type of pill now. Um, I hate going to my seeing these psychiatrists 
or slash psychologist because I can't sit there and talk to a fucking civilian and then they're going to be like, oh, I know what you mean. I know how you feel. Like, fuck you. No, you don't. You know? So that's beside the point. But no, so the way I, I, I cope with my PTSD is my, my therapy. I do a lot of traveling. I do a lot of hiking. So they um, do like a van life type deal, traveling, um, visiting some of the military brothers that I served with um, and just going from point A to point B with no no plan, no agenda, no nothing, just get in and drive or be a regular car, just drive and sleep in the car, sleep in the van, go fucking put a tent somewhere, fucking like I'm in the field again or whatever, no tent, <laughs> and, and just go hike, man, hiking, white, white water rafting. I mean, that's my therapy, man, and it's been it's been very helpful, that's for sure. Very you fucking said, uh, helpful. When we when we talked about it before, you said that you were you were uh in the process of of starting to document all that stuff too. Oh yeah. Um so I'm gonna tell my story. Um mm-hmm. you know, like the way basically what I've been getting with you guys and maybe I got my GoPro, um I got my I just got me a drone. I need to get me a better camera because I do want to record everything, document everything. And, you know, eventually edit everything and put it together and pitch it to Netflix one day and hopefully they pick it up. But it's not necessary to get attention. My, my objective was this is to help myself and maybe my message, my video will help another veteran save a veteran's life. Maybe he's thinking about suicide or maybe she is thinking about suicide or whatever, doesn't know how to cope with it. And maybe my, my video, my message will help someone, you know, so that's what I'm trying to do right now as well. A lot of that, that to me sounds like purpose. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you have this like very unique experience. Um, and you know, you said that you've, you've attempted suicide three times and here you are. And, and now, and now you're going out and you're, you know, you're, you're finding your coping mechanisms and you're documenting them and, and you're hoping that to put that message out in a way that can help others to man, that doesn't sound like fucking purpose, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's definitely and, something, uh, definitely something, man. That's uh, hell yeah. anything you can do to help somebody out after that. Cause there's a lot of veterans. There's a lot of us out there that need help some one way or another. And just starting off by just telling your story, I mm-hmm. promise there's, a, you don't know how many people have been through something similar and they haven't told that story either. They kept that shit bottled up. And I promise, I mean, hopefully, somebody will hear this and they'll be like, you know what? That shit's dope. I'm going to tell my story, too. And that shit spreads because it's, it's these stories need to be told because if we don't tell them, it's going to die out. It's going to die with us. Uh, yeah. And the people that are experiencing these things as well, I mean, they're just going to think they're alone. Mm-hmm. You know, even though, even though, come on, man, like we, we know we're not alone, like deep down, we know we're not alone, but like we're, when we're in that, that hole, like I, like I talked about in that one show, yeah. when we're in that yeah. hole, like we're not, we're not thinking about what everybody else is feeling. We're thinking about how, how shitty we feel, how alone we feel. And <clears throat> man, like it really would be, I don't know, man. I, I, I love that idea. I think, I think you should definitely push forward with that and, you know, and, and make it happen. And, uh, and that's part of the reason, like, it's one of the, re- one of the things that like Tyree and I have kind of discovered with doing this show is like, it's, you know, some of the messages that we've received and, and how the things that we've talked about and some of the things that, you know, the people we've had on, I've talked about and how it's helped them. And, uh, dude, yeah. Like, and, and when you get that done, man, um, you know, we will definitely like promote the ever loving shit out of it. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. We want to be number one. First people who put it out there. 
Um, no, no, yeah, I, I, I definitely appreciate that for sure. But yeah, that, that might be my purpose, man. I don't know. I won't figure it out. So I'm done with it, but you know, I'm just trying to fix some shit on my end before I start, actually start it, start it, you know, finances, family issues here. But once I begin it and start recording it, then I don't know how long it's going to take me, but I want to do all the 50 States. And then that's when I'll complete my journey. Then I'll edit and do all that. And then, you know, send it out and, Hopefully Netflix picks it up. If not, I'll put it on YouTube, do something. And like I said, I'll just put it on Facebook and I'll tag every fucking battle buddy I fucking know or brother from the military, sister from the military. And like I said, I, just, I hope I can save somebody. That's for sure. Yeah, um, man. I'm, I'm sure it's going to help. And, Go ahead. No, I was just going to I mean, just like, just like Tyrene, I've said before, I mean, if it, if it uh, saves one life, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The hard part, Thanks, the hardest part about this whole shit is starting. That's the mm-hmm. hardest part because we all sit around and we're like, man, we're going to go do this. We're going to do that. And we're <laughs> going to fucking uh, start this shit. And we're going to start writing a book and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> man, yeah. the second you actually start it, it's fucking it's a great feeling because you're like, man, this is the shit that I've been talking about. People are going to hear this. Um, hopefully it helps somebody. If it doesn't, then at least it's there. Um, and And man, it, it's going to help somebody because, I mean, you talking today helped me out because that shit's fucking, it, it helped me fill in some holes uh, about that whole whole situation. As heavy I mean, it as it is. It definitely puts things into perspective. Yeah, definitely. It, it, especially now. Uh, the world is a weird place right now. Um, mm. Everyone listening, you know what's going on in Ukraine and Russia and all this kind of stuff. And we were talking about earlier, like people always want to raise their hand. It's always cool to talk badass and be a badass until it's time to do some badass shit. And, uh, Mata, you fucking did some pretty badass shit in the middle of uh, a situation that would probably fold people up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I'm not trying to downplay or, I mean, I don't want to say downplay or like disrespect anybody, but I, I don't know if you guys seen it, but I saw it one too many times where people were scared to pull the trigger or shit popped off. They hid behind a Humvee or they hid behind this and they they were scared. They couldn't fucking lead their fucking team or squad, you know, like everybody, Mm -hmm. like you said, like everybody talks it, you know, but you won't fucking find out until shit is a fan and you're in that situation. You can say, oh, if I was in that situation, I would do this or these Facebook warriors. Oh, I'm ready for (laughs) combat or I would do this, but. I've seen like so-called gangsters that were in the military that I served next to. And, but when shit, the fan, there's fucking IEDs going off, volley fires, whatever, in the middle of a firefight. Those same guys that were talking all that shit. There they are. They're scared. Don't get me wrong. I was, I was scared too, but Hell yeah. you know, but I, I it's better you than me. And I'm going to, you know, I'm trying to come back home alive with my family and, you know, protect my snipers and, and protect, you know, just the way you infantry guys would look out for snipers. Snipers look out for the infantry and, but not, but, but I mean, yeah, I know I did some badass shit. I'm actually proud of it, you know, and I would do it all over again, knowing everything I, I went through. I do it all over again because it's made me who I am today. That's for sure. Oh yeah, man. Uh, a lot of people, when they, uh, when the shit hits the fan w- with the uh, police, we used to say they, their mind went into slide lock, meaning, uh, all this shit's going on, but their body can't keep up with the craziness of it. They can't get mm-hmm. out of their own way. They can't. They're too busy worried about getting injured or this or that to actually do their job and help their battle buddies out to the left and right. 
and we've all been there and you fucking you're not lying man that when it really starts you either got to put up or shut up man it's uh we've all seen people freeze up in the middle of that shit but goddamn man when it's time to really go you gotta go and it ain't easy man and that's just like the the recording i did yesterday man like i i really want people that have never been in that situation to understand that that just because you post something on social media doesn't mean that you are that thing like everybody wants to be gangster until it's time to do gangster shit right like we've said like (laughs) just because you make that post doesn't mean you're ready to go just because you went to the range once this month and you practiced you know transitioning (laughs) from your pistol to your rifle and back like that don't mean you know you're ready to go like when shit pops off and it's time to go you'll learn right then and there if you're ready to go so you are telling me, regardless of how fast I can change a magazine, rapidly, <laughs> rapid magazine changes is not going to help yeah. me out if I don't have my mind right in the middle of this fight. Are you telling me that? Yeah. Whoa. You know, and one thing that I love, and I and I and I, I get the concept right, but like people practicing their tactics or mag changes, transitioning, you know, moving from barrier to barrier under stress, right? And so to to create that stress, they'll physically stress their body right like after going on a quick run or doing some type of pt that'll elevate their heart rate and that's the 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 mimicked stress that they're putting this their body through while they're doing this training but i'll tell you what running a mile and then laying behind a gun and accurately hitting targets is a lot different than being shot at with actual live rounds oh, yeah. <laughs> while explosions are going off and still accurately hitting targets. It's a, it's, it's a, it's two different, it's apples and oranges, y'all. Totally different. Yeah. So I got, I got a question for you guys, if y'all don't mind. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I know earlier uh, when Kevin was saying about uh, with me doing my, my thing and you two, um, you know, maybe help my shit, you know, with the video I'm going to do with my journey, but and it might be, that might be my purpose. Maybe I'll help somebody. How did you guys come up with this podcasting? Like, how'd y'all talk about it or how'd y'all set up? What's the reason behind it? What's y'all's purpose? You know, oh, how long did it, how, how did y'all get motivated? How did, how did it step one come for you guys? You know, I will tell man. you everything about it as soon as we come right back from this quick break. Uh, oh, yeah. Beef, yeah, I know, right? On uh, before I forget. Hey everybody, welcome back to Before I Forget, and uh, we're going to close out our uh, talk with uh, Mata. Before we uh, ended the last recording, our last tape, or you know, took our last break, we talked about, uh, he asked us a little bit about how we started this whole podcast thing. Uh, Kevin, what do you, what do you want to, what do you have on this? So, <clears throat> first of all, I want to say like, uh, we don't really get asked a lot of questions, right? The the interviewee becomes the interviewer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I, I, it's a good question. I'm glad you asked it because, um, so Tyree and I have talked about doing this not not necessarily a podcast, right? But like we've talked about um doing something for years. Like I mean, probably going all the way back to 2006, 2007, maybe 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about it for a long time, writing a book, um, putting notes together, doing something. And, um, but I'm dumb and I can't write good. 
<laughs> and uh yeah i know so uh i think the first episode was pushed out in october so i think it was like september time frame tyree hits me up and he's like what do you think about doing a podcast and i was like i don't know man podcasts are kind of dumb um <laughs> i was i was pretty resistant to the idea um all the way up until uh even after we actually did our first couple recordings I, honestly i was a little apprehensive about the whole thing but then we started getting messages from people saying that like uh you know that they didn't know that we could talk about this stuff um, or that, that, uh, you know, things that we're talking about are helping them. It's helping them connect with their, their, you know, uh, brothers and sisters in arms. Um, but I, you know, um, the reason, the reason we started doing it and what it has morphed into, um, is, is definitely a little different. Um, I, Tyree, I mean, I, I would, I would say, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I would say that, that I, th- I think we probably went into this with a little bit of um like selfishness at first oh yeah right because it was it was more for more for us right mm-hmm. yeah and, uh, our our and, first uh, having... initial thing with this whole thing was not about uh what it is now it was completely different kind of as far as i'm concerned because my whole thing for this personally was my health and memory started to go i couldn't remember mm-hmm. certain things like for example i don't remember graduating from basic training i don't remember a thing about it i don't remember the uh during the bayonet you know when you go and drink the grog and all that kind of shit don't recall Mm -hmm. and that freaked me out i'm like man i want to be able to tell these stories to my son and i want it to make sense and i don't want him to tell i don't want to tell him a bunch of bullshit i want people to be able to say hey that's how this happened or hey that's not how this happened it happened like this and i want to be able to record it so that he would always have a way to listen to it but I mean, in the conversations we've had with people, just me and me and Kevin, our conversations between each other, uh, getting this going, we realize like it really is helping a lot of people out with a lot of things, especially me. I'm remembering stuff or they're told the wrong way, embellished or something crazy. I don't want that to happen. I want my son to be able to listen to these recordings and be like, my dad did something cool because look at all the people that he brought together. So that was my idea behind that. But I mean, now crazy totally different yeah it's definitely blown up to be a lot bigger so in the 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 podcast thing i think the idea behind that was because it's they're fairly easy to do honestly oh yeah we had talked about doing a podcast in when did you send me that when we when you the when you first told me about anchor it was like 2017 i think hey i just officially got an anniversary for that that uh thing that i sent you it was on uh speakerhead radio and I'm like, we need to get yeah. over here. We need to, we can play music <laughs> and we can talk about shit. And nobody wanted to do it. Like I said, I was pretty apprehensive. And honestly, like even, even as we've done this season, I mean, we're more than halfway through it right now. And, you know, we're still kind of, the show's still kind of evolving and growing and becoming more or bigger. We're, I mean, we're, we're thinking of ways to scale it and make it larger and have more reach, more impact with it. But it definitely has, it definitely has grown from, you know, being able to, just to document these stories to now it's a need right now we have to like put this information out we have to you know tell people tell people what really happened during our time we, you know being able to tell the, the the story of your average soldier on the ground and you know giving a platform for other people to tell their story and it's a complete story yeah that's another right. thing man it's complete <clears throat> I don't know, I, you know, and I think I mentioned it one early on in one of the first couple episodes. You ever heard of, Mata, have you ever heard of the, the three deaths? 
Mm, I can't say I have, brother. Enlighten me. Um, so the way it was explained to me was your your you know you you experience the concept or or death itself three times. And I say you experience it, right? Like your your entity, right? Your 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 person or whatever you want to call it, your soul, whatever. And the first time is when you realize and you're old enough to understand the concept of death and you realize that one day you will die and everyone you know and love will die, right? So that's the first death, you know, understanding that death is happening, like it was going to happen, guaranteed. The second death is when we actually do die. That's the second time that we die. And then the third and final death is the last time your name is ever mentioned because the last person that ever knew of you dies, right? So nobody on the planet living is even aware of your existence and you are officially perished from all things known. And one of the things that I think this, you know, doing these recordings will do is it, 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 you know, digitally imprints this, the legacy of everybody that we've been able to talk to and, you know, puts their story out there for as long as digital media exists. And I really love the, the idea of that. Um, because we are a bunch of average dudes who did some pretty extraordinary things and that needs to be remembered. Oh yeah. yeah I like it, man. And like I said, I'm asking, you know, cause that, that, that what you guys said is inspiring me to start my shit quicker than doing it now than later. And maybe it might help another veteran. You know, that's the reason I'm asking. I know that like you said, Kev, you know, the interviewer become the interviewer wasn't trying to go off subject with it, but you know, that that's inspiring to me as well. So I'm, I'm glad for both of you guys are sharing that, you know, um, it motivates me to do what I want to do and share my, my story um, and record it and document it. But I never knew about those three deaths, Kev, to be honest, it's the first time I heard about it, but I like the way you said the third death where no one remember who the fuck you are no more, you know, but now it's a digital imprint. It, you know, it's as long as this is still around, our legacy, our name will never fucking die. I like that. That's fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, man, blue and, spaders, baby. <laughs> and, I, and I'll tell you what, man, with what you're wanting to do, I mean, it's not a lot different than than what we're doing. You could potentially, what I think is kind of cool about what you're doing is you could go to all these places and you could set up meets with local veterans at VFWs or whatever else. And you could, you can sit there and you can, you know, video record, audio record, and you can push out episodes every week. You know what I'm saying you could you could do a very similar thing to what we're doing, and you know, and then when you when you're done on your journey, right? You've gone to all uh, 50 states and you've talked to all these veterans all across the country from all across the, you know, the different wars that we've all been in. Um, piecing that together into one like giant like documentary with your video and everything, you know, oh man, like that man, that's big. I think that's man that that I'm. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know the words. Like, I think it's a badass idea. I think that'd be fucking awesome, man. Yeah, man. The work for humanity. Everything. I mean, you're helping with. the veteran community, right? I mean, and, and, and I know you, I know you feel this. Um, Cause I, you know, I, I felt it. Tyrese felt it, but like, you know, come November 11th, <clears throat> who are the people on Facebook? Who are the people you're receiving phone calls and text messages from saying happy veterans day? Just some, not not too many, but this this most of them, the my sniper buddies I served with, to be honest, 
And then very few guys that, you know, infantry guys that I knew or when I was in the alpha company, but, you know, it's mostly veterans that I served with or, you know, a few family members here and there and, you know, maybe one or two so-called friends or acquaintances. Mm-hmm. That's but, what I mean. That's kind of the point I'm getting at. It's mostly veterans, right? It's veterans selling veterans happy veterans day mm-hmm. because we're, we're a community. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to support each other, right? Because we're, you know, there's a lot of cases, there's a lot of veterans out there that are not getting the support from outside of the veteran community. They're not getting the support from the VA that they need or want. They're not getting the support from their family or their friends, you know, and it's not, it's not that maybe their family or friends are not trying. They just maybe don't understand because obviously they've never been there. How do they support? So like the veteran community, we have to support each other. We have to hold each other up. So when you see veteran um, uh, businesses, you know, Tyreen, I've actually talked about doing a show where we, we promote veteran businesses, um, and, uh, and put their information out there to support them. Um, and that, and I think honestly, like what you're, what you're talking about doing, I mean, for the same, for the same reasons, right? Like you're starting it for very similar reasons for, you know, to cope with PTSD and things of that nature. But <clears throat> you also have an opportunity to help other people cope with PTSD and things of that nature. How wild is that? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, it feels like, so good to get the shit off your chest too, man. Oh, it sure does. I'll tell you that much. It took me a long time. You know, I, I held it in for years, man. And I guess that's why I got into like my drinking palm or suicide. Cause it was just, it was all compressed to me. Man. I just could never let it out. But you know, as time gets told, uh, passes by and I get older, Little by little, I'm throwing it out here or there. But it's good to get it off your chest, you know? It's just like you have 10,000 tons on your shoulders, and it's like little by little, you're taking the bricks off, and it feels good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I like the way you said that, too, taking the bricks off. Because, I mean, that's what it is. I saw this thing that's like you never really, you know, PTSD is with you forever, right? We just learn to uh, walk better with the weight. Yeah. But as we tell these stories... Um, and we get the stories of other people and we learn that like, we're not the only ones, um, going through this, uh, it, that's what it becomes, right? Like the, the weight is off our shoulders. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's, a. I I think what you're, what you're planning on doing, um, could be huge in helping the veteran community and, and, you know, people outside of the veteran community who still deal with, you know, PTSD. Yeah, you know, it, well, it's never going to go anywhere. We got to, the only way we can do it is if we sit here and talk about it. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. But like I said, I just got to make sure I'm good on my end before I actually start, start. You know, I'm not computer savvy. I'm not video savvy. So I'm still like mm-hmm. YouTube, I'm still YouTube stuff, learning shit. So once I get <laughs> the, the, the logistics, the, the grasp of it, then hell yeah. Bro, Tell bro, us about it, man. You, we started this whole knew. thing on phones. Phones. <laughs> you only knew, man. <laughs> Yeah, dude, like our first our first recordings we did um, on the Anchor app with like we were using AirPods and like we're walking around the house was one episode where like Tyree's like frying or I'm eating chicken, like Tyree's like cooking or something, Mm -hmm. you know, and now, you know, over the course of a few months, like we have, you know, semi-professional things and we're and we're still like we have like better mics. We have you know better headphones. He's got um, that roadcaster that he's uh, does a lot of editing and recording through and we're still in the learning phase. Right. Like we are still so far behind the curve on, you know, when it comes to like bigger shows, but like <clears throat> matter of fact, today we were supposed to start at seven, right. We didn't start recording till like seven forty-five <laughs> because I couldn't, this is, this is my fault. I got to say, but like, I didn't remember that the cable that runs from my headphones 
plugs directly into the mic and not the adapter on my phone. You know what I'm saying? And it took us 45 minutes of dicking around on Zoom trying to figure out which way is up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's still it's still a learning process, man. But like I'm telling you, man, like if you start it now, you know, even even with like your you know the 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 minimal knowledge and the minimal tools, like you're still going to be developing a product that is useful. Um, you know what I mean? And, and you know it may not look the best in the beginning, but as you progress and move through it, man, like it'll get better and better and easier. Oh yeah. Super easy. Like uh, when we first started, it was so fucking weird. Like, oh man, my voice sounds so funny. I'm fucking recording and all this kind of shit. But I listen to podcasts a lot, not just our shit, because I listen to our shit a lot too. But uh, I listen to other podcasts and I kind of not almost mimic what they do. I mean, you have to go off of good examples. So personally, I listen to, uh, there's a Phil Hendry podcast. He, it's it's a it's a satirical comedy kind of a thing. He does several different voices, but the the audio quality to me is so clean. Like that's what I notice when I listen to something. I'm like, if it sounds good, it's good. If it doesn't sound good, it's distracting. So, um, well, I say that to say when you start your stuff, like look at how other people did theirs, and uh, it's a good blueprint. Mm-hmm. Everything's already laid out for you. You just got to really start it. And once you start, you just got to keep going because it's going to be real easy to be like, man, nobody's fucking listening or nobody's watching. Nobody gives a shit. I can stop this right now and be okay with it. But no, <laughs> let's, let's fucking finish this up. Let's let's go from 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 the start line to the finish line. And uh, Dude, you'll be surprised, honestly, <clears throat> you'll be surprised, honestly, because um, we didn't we didn't really think that we there's going to be a ton of people listening. Like we didn't really think that our shows were going to have uh, the amount of listeners that we do have. Yeah. And, you know, Tyree had sent me an article that was talking about like the average new podcast only lasts eight episodes and averages about 20 listens per week. You know, we usually have 20 listens per episode within the first hour. Yeah. Wow. Feels good. So, I got a question. People want to people want to hear what we're talking about. People want to hear what you have to say. People want to see what you're experiencing. They want to know what you're doing because they too are looking for those same answers. Yeah. I got a question. Yes. And this is for everybody and this is a little off topic. Let's say for example, or for instance, they make a movie out of whatever you're going to work on. Who would you want to play you in that movie? <laughs> Oh shit! I don't know who I would want to play me. Mm. Yeah, I don't know, man. Tyree, I think I think Benedict Cumberbatch plays you. Benedict Cumberbatch. Wow, Doctor Strange. That's really strange. I can't. My wife is here. What did you say? My wife says Will Smith. I don't think so. I'm not a. He's a handsome guy. I'm not. Way too handsome. Way too handsome. What about you? What do you got? Shit, man, I don't know. Um, I don't know. That's a that's a good one because you know what? I think I thought about that before in the in, in the past, and I would and um, I would have to say I wouldn't want anybody to pay me. I would have to do I would have to do it myself. And the reason I say that is there's that there's that movie. Um, uh, I want to say they're they're in the Air Force. Maybe I may be wrong, um, but they're in this train, whatever. I saw that, and like, there's some. 
and there's some terrorist people and those guys paid themselves in the fucking yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's just like um, with Lone Survivor, uh, Latrell, he didn't play Latrell, but he's in the movie. But he told Mark Warburg, like, you better play it right. And I'm going to fucking, you know, I'm going to fuck you up. And he told the director, Burglar, like, I'll, I'll fucking kill you, fuck it up. So, I mean, it, it's a lot of it's, pressure. It'd be like, it, it'd be like, because if someone gets my shit wrong, I'm going to be pissed off. Like, motherfucker. And, you know, I don't want to put that much pressure on them, you know. Um, so, if, like, if it was going to be whatever, it had to be me doing it because I was there. I know the emotions and all that. But at the same time, I don't know if I could do like a movie or do this or do that because the emotion that would get involved. But if I if I were capable of doing it, it had to be me. I wouldn't want anybody playing me but me. I read an interview um, is talking about that when they did American Sniper and then cast Bradley Cooper to play Chris Kyle, um, who recently passed away this month um, in, in 2013. <clears throat> but um, she so he was able to Bradley Cooper was able to meet Chris Kyle before he passed, which is pretty cool. Um, so he got to like, you know, learn how he talked, mannerisms and all that stuff. And then, you know, but I, I read this uh, this article where Taya Kyle, Chris Kyle's uh, wife, said that there were some scenes when they were recording where she was watching Bradley Cooper as Chris Kyle. And she was like, it's damn near indistinguishable. Mm. Like wow. that, that, that's, that's pretty impressive. And, uh, you know, you got to give it to the guy for 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 doing what he could to make sure he got it right you know what i mean yeah i don't think i can actually play as myself because kind of like what you're saying about once you start like you literally have to relive all that it's not just in your mm-hmm. head now it's like you can reach out and grab this gun and you can hear these explosions and yeah it's fake but goddamn, you literally have to relive it in multiple takes mm-hmm. yeah that's, that's yeah. it imagine uh Kevin, me and you going back down that fucking uh, that alley. Yeah, but we're acting it out, and we have to do it like fifteen times. That's a lot mentally. So I would much rather let somebody else do the acting, and I'll get that check. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, I'm gonna say um, <clears throat> answer your question, uh, and this is a shout out to Jessica. I'm gonna say Chris Pratt because I've been told that he and I are pretty much identical twins. You do look like Chris Pratt. Yeah, I'll well, you if you ask her, if you ask her, no, it's a hard no. She fights it. We were out one time in Oklahoma City, uh, down in Bricktown, and uh, for Halloween, I was dressed up as, I don't want to say, but um, it was a cat, you know, like cat memes, right? So it was cat meme themed, and mm-hmm. I had to be Hitler. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so I was a cat dressed as Hitler. It was not my finest moment but anyway i took my mask talking to these people i took my mask off and this girl like immediately she was like oh my god you look like chris pratt and jessica was like nearby and i was like come, come over here say that again and she's like he looks so much like chris pratt she's like no <laughs> <laughs> i get chris pratt and i get patrick wilson from from insidious so I, i'm gonna i'm gonna say either one of them just because apparently we all look alike even though those two dudes look nothing alike i could see that too I think, uh, um, did you see The Watchmen on HBO? No. Damn it. All right. What about Aquaman, the movie? Yeah. Okay. The uh, bad guy, the uh, Black Manta. I think we look similar. I could pull that off. I think he's like a whole foot taller than me, but whatever. Mm. So we are way off topic. Let's try to (laughs) get this focus back onto where uh, we can close this out because it 
I don't want to ruin it by just verbal yeah. vomit. Um, right. Mod, anything that you want to talk about, cover up, uh, cover up, cover up, cover, uh, say, or clear up, get out there, clear up. Not really, man. Just, uh, think you had a good one. I just want to give a shout out to my brother for being my role model, him being the reason I joined the military. If not, I wouldn't be here today or, you know, be blessed who I am. Um, shout out to all my snipers, um, that I served with, uh, Shout out to Barkas, wherever he's at. May he rest in peace. And to everybody I served with from 126 and that paid the ultimate sacrifice, you know, salute to them. You know, they're, they're my real heroes. You know, they, people always call me a hero, but I don't see it that way. You know, I see it the one that paid the ultimate sacrifice. So, yeah. Um, salute to all them, brothers and sisters that we lost over there. And it's an honor to be with you guys and be, be part of 126. Let them bear the palm who want, who, uh, but that want it, where? Want it, yeah. Yeah, there it is. Let them bear the palm who want it. Hey, uh, I got a question for you, right? Barkus, tell me, tell us one of your favorite stories about him. Yeah, that's a good one. If you can, if you can. Mm, That's the shit, man. Uh, I I don't know. There's, There's a lot of good ones, man. He was, he was a cocky son of a bitch, you know, just like me. So, that's that's what I liked about him. Uh trying to think. Um what you like to fucking say from him, man. Um shit. I can't even think, man. So you put him in the spot. Like, I'm, I'm fucking like, what the fuck? I'm trying to think, and it's like I'm getting this brain fart. I tell you what man, I remember about him. Uh he used to hang out with Dave and, and um and Jesse Haugen, and they would always uh for whatever reason, they would always end up having drinks uh, in one of those two rooms, and I would always walk around and see him wearing that fucking hat. Yep. And I'm like, this yeah, fucking guy in his cowboy hat, who do you think he is? <laughs> and, uh, you know, conversations with him, like, nah, he's a pretty cool dude, so, you know, that's... Uh, yeah, he, he always had his cowboy hat, man. Always had I know. cowboy hat. Big ass smile, too. Yeah, yeah, fucking. Just one of the days in the barracks, you know, um, when we all became snipers, whatever, and just getting drunk, you know, fuck, there was a few of us, and then it ended up being me and him, and then he's fucking, we're just bullshitting there, and he goes to the restroom, he comes out naked, he doesn't come out naked, but he's like in his boxer, he's like, hey, Mata, and he does like this weird ass, but it's just him, his cowboy boots, and his fucking, <laughs> and his hat, and he's doing some stupid kind of fucking two-step and dance, whatever, and he's just, his boxers all happen, and once it's, once he's done, I'm like, Bark, what the fuck? And he just throws up all over the fucking floor, man. And I, I'm there. And sure enough, you know, when you throw up, you have like vomit on your fucking. So he has vomit on his body. He's like, holy shit. And he's like, once he's trying to clean it up, he just passes out on the floor. And I'm like, what the fuck? So there I am fucking cleaning Bark's shit up. And it was, I mean, it was funny at that time, you know, seeing him all drunk, all happy. We're all, we're all trying to get drunk and have fun before we go to deployment. You know, we're all thinking we might not come back, you know, and, so that's the mentality we have, but we're just getting fucked up. And like I say, just he goes in the restroom fully clothed. And he comes out with just his boxers and boosting that cowboy hat with a big old fucking goofy smile that he always had. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's yeah. awesome, man. And if that if that doesn't sum up uh, the life of an infantryman, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, those memories, right? Yeah, well, I mean, just just out, there. yeah, exactly. But like being out there and just you know playing hard because fuck, man, you never know. You never know. Hey, and on that note, uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to Before I Forget. Uh, This season 
is almost done. I think we have a few more guests. We have our uh, In Memoriam show, and we close out the season, I believe, like relatively soon, right, Kevin? End of March, I believe, yeah. Yeah, so we're going to start gearing up for the next one and uh, continuing the story on to the uh, whatever we talk about next. And uh, broader horizons. Yeah. I want to thank you guys uh, from the bottom of my heart for uh, listening to before I forget this little podcast. We've started uh, off of cell phones and now we're with big equipment and big guests. Thank you, Mr. Mata for showing up and really showing up today, man. Yeah, dude. Mata, like we, 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 man, can't even, I I can't even put into words like how, how grateful we are that you, that you were able to, come here and talk to us and, 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 you know, tell us your stories, man. Like we know, we, we know it's heavy. Um, oh, yeah. and, uh, yeah, we appreciate it, man. Totally. No, I'm, I'm great. I'm grateful for you guys having me or even thinking about me being on this show, man. It's an honor with you guys, man. Fucking very, very much appreciate it. And love you both, man. Hopefully we'll catch up in person and have some cold ones before. Hey, speaking of which, speaking of which, what are you doing in June? Uh, hopefully I'm traveling by then. <laughs> yeah, you, you ought to you ought to travel to the state of Florida. Yeah, we have a we have a thing going on. So far, right now, we it, it's a bunch of roughnecks, a bunch of Sequitoon guys from Bravo Company. But, um, fuck, man, you ought to you ought to come on, have a yeah, beer, um, have a smoke with us. At least me, yeah, anyway. No, I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm down. Um, I'm actually hell yeah, I love Florida, man. Just we'll keep each other posted, man, and we'll keep in touch, and um, we'll plan it for sure. I'll be out there. We got a Facebook group, man. I'll, uh, I'll add you to it. Oh yeah, include um, so them that way you can be. Yeah, so that way you can track it all with everybody else. They're talking about Hawaiian shirts and all that kinds of stuff, man. They were blowing my phone up the other day to put it on on mute. <laughs> Same. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. I, not, but yeah, I did. I did. A, I did a few missions with a lot of you guys from Bravo Company, man. Yeah, mm-hmm. or you know. So I, I remember a lot of you guys. So that'd be good to see some familiar faces, man, or the, the names. I know how I was mentioning some sniper names. Um, tell you like, oh shit, those fucking names, you know. So mm-hmm. it'll, it'll be good. Uh, you know, remember some of you guys and have some cold ones I started with, man. That'd be, it'd be an honor to do that with you guys. Oh yeah, absolutely, man. man. And we're actually, so Tyree and I've talked about, um, we're going to bring our recording stuff down and, uh, we're going to try and get some, some group recordings in if we can, um, <clears throat> or one or whatever, how it's going to work out. But, uh, yeah, man, I think, uh, that would be cool. And if you're, if you already got your, your, your travel thing kicking off, um, you know, that would be, that, that, that would be a cool thing to add into it. No, the most definitely. Yeah, like I said, I got my my GoPro ten and my my drone. I just gotta give me a a good good fucking camera camera, you know, for other stuff besides the GoPro. And yeah, I'll be hopefully I'm up and running and recording at that time. I'll definitely put you guys on my shit for sure. Hell yeah, dude. Word. All right, folks. Uh, thank you for listening to. Before I forget, we're on every Friday, Monday, and uh, well, I'm all fucked up. Fuck that all up. Every Monday morning and Thursday morning. <laughs> Uh, every week, uh, either a solo show or a, a guest like today. Uh, thank you for listening to Before I Forget. Uh, please like, listen, share, subscribe. Let everyone know that we have a good show. And we'll talk to you guys later. Good. All right.